Hello everyone, and welcome to this Nintendo Life episode 127. I am your host, MDZ, and I'm joined, as per the usual, by Bally. How are we today, Bally? I'm very good, MDZ. It's feeling incredibly autumnal now. The, the leaves have turned. It's, it's, it's heading on into winter. I feel it. I feel is it that now. what Scotland is like right now? Are there a lot of leaves on the ground? Are you crunching them under your feet, is what I'm asking. Pretty much, yeah. And I, and I was just about to say this, but a game like Spider-Man, with all that those autumnal colours in like Central Park and stuff, like just makes that whole f- autumn feeling just feel really, really like... It resonates, you know, when a, when a game mm. can match the mood of the time yes. of year. I, lo- I like that. Yeah, no, seasons. I agree. It's all about seasons. It's all about seasons. Hey, Val, you should buy Forza Horizon 4. They I, have I like seasons. that game. It uh-huh. looks cool. That looks yeah. like a nice game. Shame you bought a PS4, not an Xbox One, eh? There you go. Well, you see, after buying Forza Horizon 4, I don't know what else I would buy on my, on my Xbox. Yeah, if very I, if true. I that, that's the problem. True, very true. Uh, Touche, I say. Uh, But yeah, we have been playing some video games. We've been talking about video games. The video games are happening. It's this time of year is video games. They're all happening, and I don't know what to do because I just don't have any time for them. But I try, and I am continuing to try. Because for a lot of jobs, it's the busiest time of year because it's that post summer up until Christmas. Uh huh. Busy period that no one enjoys exactly yeah so it's been a little rough but it's been okay and we're going to talk about all the video games and the fun times we've been having so uh bally why don't you lay out what we're going to be talking about in the show today for our first segment we've got what we have been playing second segment it's time for your it's time it's in it's going to be time for your emails and then third segment we're bringing back a segment we did quite a few episodes ago where the nintendo quiz mbz where you tested my knowledge on all things gaming um i've lined up questions they're ready to go and i'm gonna give give you a few testers let's just say yeah exactly uh, and we'll we'll bring back the jukebox again uh, in a little bit but uh not a huge amount of nintendo news and things going on so we thought we'd uh, just uh, have a bit more of a chill segment like that which uh, hopefully you'll enjoy uh yeah let's uh kick things off then with some video game chatter bally you finished up spider-man as did i yeah, I loved it. Loved the end of that game. 100%ed the map, did all that stuff. I thought that, like, what a great end to that story. It was one of the best superhero stories I've ever experienced in any medium. Not that I. Yeah, certainly better than most many. Marvel films from my perspective, I think. Yeah, um, like, s- s- the final two, three, four hours of that story just so many things going on and diff- new ideas introduced and plot twists that i thought just really uh topped off what was already a re- very strong story there was some some elements that i don't want to spoil that just felt more so unique to spider-man above any other uh superhero and this game sort of summed summed that up to a t in a way that film can't because it was what i'm talking about is gameplay driven and yeah kind of reminded me of how the ride uh, uh the spider-man ride in islands of adventure feels like it was that kind of immersive interactive thing that this the end of this game just felt so accurate in terms of like depicting spider-man more so than just a film yeah it's it's really tremendous the way that they 
uh, do a lot of the set piece stuff and some of the fights that you have at the end. And I think just overall the quality of the characters that they had built up to that point and and the payoffs that you have with them and just the writing overall it's one of those aspects that i was and i think this is why spider-man was not very anticipated for me because i knew that they were going to do the swinging well like i'd seen enough of the footage of gameplay and what people had said about previews and stuff that i was pretty um you know satisfied that that would be the thing that would grab me and it did and it was the best thing about the game but i wasn't expecting a whole lot more from it because the open world seemed like it was going to be quite generic and honestly i tend to agree with that having played the game i think it is very classic uh open world diversions that don't amount to a lot uh aside from distractions to do because it's so fun to swing around the city but the story was one of those things that i expected to just be very middle of the road and not do anything significant uh and yet it takes a lot of risks and it is set in a period of time for spider-man that i haven't really experienced as someone who's not read a lot of the comics i don't like i don't know a spider-man who is this deep into his career because a lot of the media that is mass media that has been produced around the this hero is all about the origin story and the beginnings and things that happen from that point and the new marvel stuff is a little bit further in but not that much further in uh and so i think the setup for it and the way that they uh, play with the universe and some of the things they do and some of the the characters and the choices they make are really excellent and i think it is just exceptionally acted and written and just delivered so so well Um, and i was very very impressed by the end of it there are a great deal of characters in that story that you care an awful lot about and i didn't think that this game was ever going to produce that for me like i agree i thought the swinging was going to be good i thought the fighting would be good and game informer were trying to like rank like each person on the show is ranking like their in terms of fighting story and swinging like Mm -hmm. how they'd rank them and for me personally i can't i can't actually rank one over the other i think that Mm. they were all incredibly strong and like that's part of the reason why i went on and 100 percent of the map was i thought the swinging and the fighting because there are a lot of fighting like rooms and things to do oh yeah like things that are wave based which is literally my least favorite thing in video games i don't mind that i really i i mean i i agree that in general like the end of god of war and that one segment where you're having to stay in this one room as they monster closet you to death i was like end this now please video game do not do this but i I really do not like the endless monster closet because a lot of the time checkpointing with that stuff is quite bad and it will send you right back to the beginning and it takes a lot of time and that's the thing that i don't like about it is because Mm. it adds the the problem is is the further you get into it the harder it gets but also the higher risk of you dying and so the more chance that you're wasting your time doing it that's how i feel about it and that's why you know wave-based things and monster clouds have never been my idea of fun in video games yeah um, and like so by the end of the game and clearing all that stuff up you're you're at your most powerful so it's not it's not like there's i mean obviously right. i still and if you're using like web blossom then fuck yeah web blossom is just so powerful i only yeah. discovered that sort of near in the latter half of the game i was making that's ridiculous because i was powers. using it the whole game and yeah. it was the best so no, i was using all sorts of rubbish ones to be honest but uh-huh. uh, I actually thought most of that stuff was enjoyable just because I thought the mechanics were so strong. But I agree that in terms of like game design, it's not overly innovative and it is very generic open world. 
but I do think some of the side quests were actually really good, like around Tombstone, Black Cat, uh, the like getting all the pigeons I actually quite enjoyed. Like there's some side quests in there that are less generic and more interesting that had like little stories and things going on that I thought were really, really quite strong actually. Um, and as mm. I said, I just... I never got tired of the swinging and the fighting and there's a whole lot of swinging and fighting in this game. Um, I can't quite platinum the game because I think I kind of burned out on the idea of trying to go back to the challenges and, you know, acing all of those in terms of like the time restraints. And uh, yeah, I just... That's why you I, don't leave that stuff until the end. That's why you tackle it there and then. I mean, so we, can... we were just talking off mic about the DLC coming. Maybe I could have a go at those things when the DLC comes out. Yeah, Because I am not? really keen to know where this story goes and what those DLC stories do because this universe that they've created is so enticing and uh, I, I didn't think it would be this enticing and I'm, I'm hooked waiting to see where this goes. Yeah, uh, Sony are in a very strong position right now. I think that this generation, a lot of it from the start was a bit of a carryover, right? Like we have Uncharted 4, which is, you know, moving over from the previous generation. We have big franchises like Assassin's Creed and, and stuff that have just carried from previously and before it had always been about new generations resetting and doing new and different things. And Was Last of Us four, uh, PS4 or 3? Three it was three. It was yeah. the end of PS3, but yeah. they re-released it the year after on PS4, right, so kind of blends together. But I do think that now we're at a stage for Sony and their stable of IP where going forward, it feels like they have new and fresh things that look quite strong. Like people love Horizon. Um, people loved the new God of War, which to a lot of, I, I would say is basically a new IP at this point. It's oh, yeah, yeah, almost unrecognizable yeah. from the originals in terms of its tone and its gameplay style and everything and obviously now you have spider-man which is not a new ip but it is a brand that has now yeah it has been molded towards this uh style of gameplay that you know so many people have been very much associated over the years so i think that they're in a very strong position uh going into the next generation like new new completely new stuff like ghost of tsushima next year and stuff yeah and we'll see how that comes out what the hell death stranding even is there's it's a lot of stuff and, and i think sony uh in a good position because they also have the support of these japanese games they've become cultural hits things like yakuza and near um and you know it it seems like their platform is very very strong at this point and all the big games are coming to it so i'm, fe- I'm feeling very happy i bought a ps4 um and, and like, as i said a while ago like spider-man was the reason i bought a ps4 like other war was the reason i got one earlier but Spider-Man was the reason I like I wanted a PS4, and I yeah. having now beaten Spider-Man, uh, done that 100% map. I am very very satisfied with everything to do with that and where where it's going. Great, fantastic. Uh, well, enough of this Sony Pony nonsense. Let's get <laughs> off that because this is a Nintendo podcast. God damn it! Let's talk about some Nintendo video games, or at least games that are adjacent to Nintendo. Uh, both of us played a bit of the Mega Man 11 demo that dropped. Uh, actually, came out before the direct because it was supposed to drop when the direct dropped, but then because of the delay didn't happen, uh, and so it came out. And uh, I waited a little bit to download it, and then just uh, gave it a go. It is one stage, which is Blockman stage and man it feels like Mega Man it feels like classic Mega Man 2 uh like everyone loves and it's pretty good so far how how are you feeling about Mega Man 11 from the demo what you played Bally 
I mean, I, I like Mega Man 2, but when I see Mega Man 11 coming out, I'm hoping for like an evolution of that franchise and like a, mm. like to reinvent ish parts of that game and make it, you know, mo- like modern games, remove stuff like life systems, uh, yeah. don't respawn enemies, stuff like that. And this game is not that in the slightest. This is no. totally, let's go back to basics Mega Man as possible in a modern age. And-, and I think I'm not expecting what you were because I know this history of what they've done True. with i was just like Megamans. what is Mega Man 11 now let's give it a go and yeah yeah but, but i'm and i know we've said it many times but live systems feel really dated and yeah while the art style is cool and that's obviously evolved um and there's obviously the the um the gears system which does change it a lot and that kind of goes against what i said before but otherwise it feels for me, it felt a bit too dated and too hardcore, and just it's not my cup of tea. I'll, I'd rather play a, a modern platformer um, and and kind of stick away from something that's so true to its its roots, perhaps. Well, I th- they've changed some stuff about it, right? And I think it looks pretty nice. It feels almost exactly the same in terms of his jump and how he yeah. slides and everything, how it feels to shoot. And I think the thing with Mega Man is and this is why I'm maybe a bit more forgiving on it, is the point of Mega Man is to really get to know those levels back to front, and going through them multiple times and dying on them is part of the challenge of Mega Man and and why it has stood the test of time, I think. And I think the original series in particular is all about that style of gameplay and that's why when they did 9 and 10 they were basically NES games um, and they, you know, had all the bells and whistles from the past. And they developed that series into the Mega Man X series, which was, I guess, more modern for what you're looking for. But it still had live systems and it still had all that stuff. But it added in like wall jumping and it looked a lot better. And it was just a different style of game. It was more actiony, more fast paced. Uh, and yeah, this wasn't going to be a revolution of that because this is very much... It's called Mega Man 11 for a reason because it draws on that particular brand of the franchise. Like it's, it's that strand that it, it comes from. And the things that they've added in terms of the speed gear and the power gear where you can basically like press one of the shoulder buttons for a brief period of time for this juice that you build up and you can either slow down time or you can do a super powerful shot feels like it is baked into the level design there are very uh, clear parts where you are being chased by this drill that is going through the level and if you don't use the speed gear you're probably going to get crushed by it so it's very much encouraging you to engage with these new mechanics and i think i heard a lot of people say that they kept forgetting about them and they were dying a lot because of that because the new game is more designed around those new ideas as opposed to just playing it like a regular Mega Man game which I imagine you probably could get through those levels without activating speed gear or, or power gear or whatever, but it's a lot more difficult and, and more challenging as a result of that. Um, but I, I like the feel of it. I think that it, it flows very well. The one thing I'll say is it felt like the level was very long. Oh, Longer so than long, I think yeah. Mega Man levels usually are, right? And with that lives mechanic, which I've always said is so dated, etc., it just makes it even harsher it feels like with that those extra long levels i was like getting my ass kicked and it's like geez man i like like i appreciate that's what it's going for but it felt like i was getting my ass kicked in a very 80s 90s way in the year 2018 and it was quite frustrating in that sense 
Right, and, and you know, that's what Mega Man fans want. Like, people would be maybe annoyed if it, it didn't do that. I mean, people are annoyed already because it doesn't... It, it commits the most cardinal sin, which is when Mega Man jumps through a door, it doesn't hover him in midair as he goes through right. the door. And it oh, really boils my blood. That's, like, one of the worst... Like, how could they make this game and not do that? Like, I really don't understand what they've been doing. But the thing I'll say is that they also offer multiple difficulties, right? So they have a very newcomer-friendly thing which will not have any live system and you can go through it and, and enjoy it at a more kind of, you know, easy pace. And it has a casual difficulty which gives you some more lives and makes it so the enemies don't do as much damage. And you have the option to do it super hardcore like in the classic day. So I will defend it in the sense that at least now they are giving you the option. Um, I was getting a little bit annoyed because i got so used to playing the Mega Man legacy collection with the rewind button and i kept pressing that button and realizing oh wait no this isn't an old game i can't <laughs> rewind it even though it is yeah. basically an old game because it's a new old Mega Man style game um and bit, yeah it's yeah. yeah so i enjoyed it i think that it is something that i'll get probably down the line i'm not going to get it straight away because i think it's quite expensive for what it is it you know, it's it's a big company doing a AAA platformer, but as opposed to something like, you know, Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze, it doesn't feel like it has the same budget that's been put into it, and it is going to be a shorter game in terms of that length. And so when you have offerings like indie games that are all 10, 15 quid or even less, having something that's like 25, 30, which, you know, is made by a developer that is very revered and renowned who, you know, in recent years haven't treated Mega Man with the greatest of respect. Uh, I, I don't know, it feels a bit weird. We're just in this place with pricing with games that it's it's hard because big companies have to pay, you know, their employees and they have to have a lot of overhead. you got you got to be in one of the two categories. If you're going lower budget, it's got to be pretty damn cheap. And if you're going high budget, then, you you, you know, it's got to have the assets, like you said, with, I don't know, Tropical yeah. Freeze or And something. it is kind, kind of, of in, in the, the middle, middle isn't it? Yeah, which I guess makes sense for the price as well. But also, I look at Mega Man 11, but then I look at Dead Cells, and I'm like, you know, this game is 10 quid cheaper than this game. It, it's weird. Pricing gets very weird, and it's hard to say because, like, why is Hollow Knight 10.99? Well, it's because two guys made it, so they can afford to make it cheaper because they you know they've already made so much money from that game and that's what they need to survive and to keep making good games they could have charged 20 for it and people would still bought it but that's their proposition whereas i don't know some other things like owlboy was 18 quid when it came out is that because it took 10 years of development and you know they had a larger team i don't know it's we're just in a very weird place with that stuff which is why i like to wait for sales on a lot of things which i don't know can be bad for the industry i guess to some degree but also there's a precedent set right that these games are going to go on sale and they are going to be cheaper down the line so i don't really know um i think the easiest thing to say is that there's a lot of video games coming out right now and i think Mega Man 11's in a bit of a compromised position considering everything else it's it's so easy to add a game to a watch list and monitor it for when it's on sale on a system like the switch that why why wouldn't you do that sort of thing if you're not gonna if you're not so excited you're gonna get it day one you're, you're automatically no matter what going to just stick it on your watch list and wait for that sale yeah pretty much um so yeah that's Mega Man 11 anything else to say about it bally or uh, good? I think I'm good. I got my ass kicked and I need a Mega Man break. Okay. 
really don't haven't played that much Mega Man, so I, know, I think that you, your taste. tolerance for the series my is just is not far great. lower. I'll get to three eventually, but not unlike not right me, now. who's beaten Mega Man two like three times this year already. So, so there we go. It's a good game. It's a good game. It's so good. It's like the best game. It's the best Mega maybe, Man. Maybe not the best game, but it's a good game. It's it's the best NES game. I'll I'll put it at that much anyway. Uh, all right, and then myself, I have been playing uh, Button of Dragon Quest Eleven, a game that is coming out on the Switch eventually. They actually recently re-announced it, and it's going to be called Dragon Quest Eleven S, which no one really knows what the S stands uh, for. Does, does S mean anime and portable or something? Yeah, maybe. Uh, it uh, could be more akin to the 3DS version, because Dragon Quest Eleven, Ooh. for those who don't know, came out on PS4 and 3DS, the weirdest combination of systems to release something for in history. There was actually this crazy bundle where you could get like a limited edition that had the ps4 version and the 3ds version in it how nintendo agreed to that i don't know <laughs> and and what happened what for square enix on? to like to pull that together is, is kind of crazy but yeah the 3ds version is essentially the same game just like pared down for the 3ds the story is the same like the world is the same but you know everything looks different because it's on a handheld and it's chibified and also the 3ds version has this super cool mode where on the bottom screen it's like 16 8-bit dragon quest like classic dragon quest oh, it looks nice. like an old yeah. game uh so you can play like the 3d version on the top screen and see the 2d version on the bottom screen it's a very neat idea and it's not coming out in the west like they just decided they're not going to release the 3ds version here because the ps4 and you know steam version is the one that is going to make the biggest splash and that's what they wanted to dedicate all their resources to um and it is a big splash it's a fucking gorgeous game this is the best dragon quest has ever looked and i love how smoothly it runs on my pc just at 60 is it it looks incredible um it's not an open world game but it does have really vast stretches of land and, and terrain that you can see off into the distance and there's something about the aesthetic of toriyama like the dragon ball aesthetic that translates so well in modern video games like you look at dragon ball fighters and it's like how is this game possible visually it just looks absolutely stunning in hd and the way they make those kind of 3d models look like 2d animation is is pretty staggering but in a game where it is fully focused on 3d with dragon quest 11 i think that they've just done a remarkable job of just how good and crisp and just clean those characters look they look incredible and i i will take an art style like this over a modern final fantasy art style any day of the week like it just speaks to me so much more and it has such a warmth and color and vibe to it that dragon quest is like a warm hug it's a that's something that i tweeted recently and i think it is very appropriate because it is a series that ultimately hardly changes uh every dragon quest game i've played they all have similar elements uh all down to the sound effects like saving your game is the same sound effect that they used in the original 1980 whatever dragon quest game uh, when you, a, a new party member joins there's this long song that plays for at least like 20 seconds and you have to wait while the character's like standing there like smiling at you for this little song to play and it's the same one that was in seven and in eight and in six like in all the games before that so it is a series that is steeped in tradition but the thing about it that's so good is that it is steeped in tradition like it's it's very familiar and it's something that you can come home to and just relax with because it's it's not something that you have to super engage with the stories are very fairy tale and they're not very deep but they 
are just very well packaged and put together so that this giant adventure feels like a series of small stories along the way and i think dragon quest 7 did that the best because it was designed around the fact that you were going back in time to these other islands and each island had its own problem and you had to solve it and, and deal with the townspeople and all of the stuff uh, and it eventually kind of tied itself together but i feel like 11 is a great combination of everything in the past that the series has done um it takes a lot from dragon quest 8 and i think it's probably most familiar to people from that sense because that was the last time we had a big 3d console dragon quest uh it's had a weird history because on ds it was you know much more pared down it was more multiplayer focused it was during the the time after nintendogs where they were trying to you know take advantage of people in public playing together it was one of those things that actually led to street pass like the online mode in dragon quest or i guess the local wireless mode in dragon quest 9 was one of those things like bark mode on nintendogs where you would get a notification when someone passed by and you'd get something from them and you could do dungeons with people and that is kind of how street pass happened as a result of that mode and how big it was in japan when that happened um so that wasn't you know a game that was steeped in as much tradition as, as a lot of the other uh, parts of the series because it was so different and then 10 was an mmo so of course it was different it was just completely out there so it's really been a good i don't know decade maybe since dragon quest 8 came out and mm. this is the big return to that style of game so a lot of it could be compared there's a forging system that is similar like in dragon quest 8 you have this alchemy pot that you throw shit in and you need to like keep old weapons about because that's how you improve them to make new weapons which is annoying in that game and it really frustrated me because not only is the alchemy list of things you can make not very long and it's kind of complicated to get the recipes and i think you have to like remember them yourself and it just was annoying when i wanted to sell stuff and i'm like i don't know if i can sell this because i might need to use it later to get a better weapon this refines that type of system so much more where it's more about just random materials that you pick up so you don't have to keep weapons around and the forging mini game is so much better it relies around this uh, system where you are tapping at bars and the bars will go up a certain amount so they need to hit like a sweet spot and so you get abilities to do like double power on the bar so it will go further or half power if you only want to move it a little bit and then you have sometimes it's uh, there's like six of them and so you can do two at once and they keep adding these new powers that you can get it starts out very simple and i was like what what is this this it feels like a very undercooked mini game but as they expand it out it's really fun like it's a neat little distraction and it's a way for you to not only forge weapons that are much better than things you can buy and obviously less expensive if you're not spending money on them uh, but you can also if you do a really good job in the mini game get a more powerful version of it so that part is already engaging me way more uh the fact that just the openness of the world is far more based around you know going around and finding little hidden things that are helpful for those forging uh, parts of the game and also obviously finding the treasure chest where dragon quest 8 felt a bit more barren than that there wasn't as much reward for exploration as i feel this game gives you and there are just a lot of elements that pull from previous parts of the series from the types of stories that are told to the characters to um just 
generally you know the voice acting and the idea that it is a very medieval setting and so a lot of the characters are based around you know english british voices which i'm a big fan of there's one character a scottish character who is very good who i like quite a bit and we don't have enough scottish voices in video games so uh, I, I really enjoyed that and i think the cast is excellent overall it's it's super well acted and again like there's nothing groundbreaking about the storytelling but it's you know it's it's warm and familiar and it it feels good and there's something about going to all the new environments and finally opening up the world and getting your ship and and being able to explore a bit more uh that is very comforting and and great and i don't know it's it's just a very nice game to play it really sounds like it's making a lot of cut through and just like people are really liking it and for me personally, I think it, it's got to be the first Dragon Quest I'm going to give a go at some point because yeah. it just seems like Dragon Quest never, like you said, it's a warm hug. In that sense, it's always looked to me like the least intimidating JRPG to give a yeah. go. And like I, I was eventually going to pick one of them up on the 3DS, but this game, now that I own a PS4, it just seems like the obvious thing to do to like give the, the series a go. And, you know, ha, ha, if I jumped into this one, how would that link in any way to the others and and that sort of thing and story-wise or i mean they're not connected it's like final fantasy where okay every story is different and individual but there will be nods and there will be things to pass series like the way i play a dragon quest game is very particular every time i get to a new town i will scope out the entire place because they hide a lot of stuff in very like on um i don't know you wouldn't think the corners that you would go to to find something important would be there like there are a lot of pots and barrels that you can break so anytime you see a little pot break it that is going to give you something it'll give you either a mini medal which is something that has been uh, stored of the series for a long time that you can collect up and get stuff from or it could be a really good piece of gear that you could have bought in the shop but if you open some random person's cupboard you could just find it in there so i'm very meticulous every time i get to a town i will speak to every single npc i will go into every single house open every cupboard crack every pot and find everything possible because you will be rewarded for doing so uh, and also it does a great job of building up the backstory and um the upcoming thing that's going to happen in that particular town uh residents will mention characters that you will eventually meet in the little story you're going to do you will find books that will relate past histories of the town uh, of things that have happened that will link in so it does a lot of development and law building from that exploration while also rewarding you by finding cool stuff along the way so i'm very much in a i don't know i'm in a certain mindset when i play a dragon quest game and i have just done that since i've does that you know, take, make them the take an extra 40 hours to yeah beat. probably uh but i really enjoy playing it that way i don't know there's something about the design of the towns in dragon quest that is you know as i said already just very homely and and warm so I feel like it's a place I want to exist in and so I really like scoping it out and just finding every little last thing that there is um, and becoming familiar you know just so that when you go back to the town you know where things are and you don't have to worry about it and you can kind of revisit past places that stick in your mind and and, and you know remind you of things from before um, but yeah from from a battle perspective it is 
very simple. It is, you know, you have a class system to a degree, but Dragon Quest weapons have always been the thing that it's kind of based around at least in the recent games uh this draws more on eight in the sense that you have you know one of your characters could use boomerangs and daggers and you've got to choose which path you want to go down daggers are probably a bit more powerful but boomerangs will hit all the enemies in a row so what do you want to do do you want to take the weaker hit with the boomerang or do you want to go with a stronger hit with the dagger uh and the skill path that you go down uh, every time you level up you get a certain number of skill points and you can just distribute them wherever you want to go so if you want to min max it that'll probably help you uh, because you're not going to be wasting like if you know that you're only going to be using great swords then don't invest in regular swords just go down that route and you can do that but they also give you the opportunity later on to redistribute your points if you feel like you've messed up so you know it has a bit of a flexibility that previous games in the series didn't because one of the things that really annoyed me about eight is that you couldn't do that so if you committed then you were kind of screwed if you wanted to go in another direction later on um but yeah, and, and also another thing that makes it a bit easier is, you know, there's a bit more auto-saving. Uh, you do still lose like half your gold when you die, but I think just as a game that is punishing, this game is far less punishing. There's far less grinding required. The enemies are much easier to deal with. Bosses are challenging but not as challenging as they have been in the past i think overall it's just much more of a streamlined experience as a jrpg and more modern in that sense and i think one of the things they did was they included this kind of draconian modifier thing before you start that if you wanted a bit more of a hardcore old school dragon quest experience where you do have to grind a bunch then you can activate that but honestly i think the series is better for not doing that like i enjoy the grind in dragon quest games but to some degree it gets ridiculous at the end of dragon quest 8 drove me fucking insane because i was a good 10 levels behind what i needed to be for the final boss and so i just went to this island which had metal slimes on it and farmed them for like four hours just to get up to that point and that was just to finish the game god damn it it's like the last boss and all i wanted to do was see credits roll and you know when that happens it's one of the most frustrating things for an rpg and i, I don't think dragon quest 11 is going to commit that sin because it hasn't shown me any reason that it would do so far um and the other thing i think that makes it simple and more streamlined is like the 3ds remakes of 7 and 8 you can have you know your ai characters control themselves and so they will do things that are much more beneficial to that particular point in the fight what has happened before in the past in some dragon quest games i've played is i will commit to to doing a move with a certain character and then something will happen from the enemy side that will mean i want to actually do something else and so my heal spell ends up not doing what i want it to or it goes on a character that doesn't need to if the character's just died so in this sense because the ai is controlling it uh, most of the time they will do things that i wouldn't have been able to do if i was just playing in the order of of sequence of events so they will be able to like heal me when you know it seems like i'm going down or it it feels like it's almost cheating to some degree because it feels like they know exactly how much health the enemies have left one of the characters veronica is a uh mage and so she uses spells most of the time and so when she hits an enemy with her staff it only usually does like one or two damage so usually she's not going to do that because i've set the ai to be like fight smartly like like use your magic well and do it do it well and if an enemy is almost on the brink of death and i don't know that because there's no health bars sometimes the ai will just use the regular staff attack and hit them and the reason they do that is because i think the ai knows how much health exactly the enemy has so it doesn't want to waste the mp on killing them with a fireball so it'll just hit them with the stick and they'll die instantly so 
there there was a moment in a boss fight where my main character had died and i because i had set it to automatically choose moves for the rest of my party i was actually just sitting there with my controller not doing anything and the game was playing itself which felt weird to some degree because you know i really should be the one making these decisions but in all honesty it kind of works as that and i don't know it it felt a bit weird but also it was working so i wasn't complaining so <laughs> i don't know what that says about dragon quest 11 the, the fact that it can almost play itself but why don't you just go and watch a film i don't know you know because i like leveling up i like seeing the numbers go higher <laughs> i like you know adventuring around and seeing these places and just experiencing it it's you know it's quite a low maintenance game and i think that's why i like it it's because it doesn't require a lot of effort or input from me mm. and it is uh like just washing over me almost yeah. so and a lot of jrpgs do right like that, that you have to yeah. strategize and think and yeah like octopath traveler is a great example of an incredible battle system that requires so much thought and, yeah. and effort yeah. yeah um and like if i wanted to control all my characters i could do but another reason i don't is it takes a lot of time just you know pressing my attack and then letting everyone else do theirs cuts down on the menu navigation it cuts down on like random battles so every time those pop up it's much easier to to deal with but i feel like i should probably change it so that when i'm in a boss fight i should probably control everyone because you know that's the fun of the game i guess but i just i just found myself in this weird situation where it was playing itself and i thought it was quite funny um but yeah, I'm uh, I'm about twenty hours in. Uh, really like it. It's uh, it's I don't know how long it'll take me, but I'll be playing it for a while. It's good. Nice. It's Dragon Quest. It feels like home. I like it. Uh, so yeah, there there it is. That is what we've been playing. Uh, that's going to be us for the first segment. We'll be back though after the break. We'll be taking some of your emails. So do not go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hello everyone and welcome back to the second segment of today's show. It's time for your listener emails. That means we are calling out for more again. Please send them to thisnintendolife at gmail.com. That is thisnintendolife at gmail.com. And if you don't want to send an email, drop into our Discord server. There's a link to our Discord server in the description of this very podcast. Hit the link, jump on in, join the chat, post a question a comment anything you like in our emails thread on there and we might read it out on the show it would be greatly appreciated so our first email this week is from jess b who's from massachusetts usa hi bally and mbz i have to say i'm a huge fan of the podcast i discovered it a few months ago and i'm currently working through the backlog on my way to to and from work thanks for making the commute more bearable 
I'm a teacher and live in a tiny coastal beach town in Massachusetts, USA. The, uh, the year-round population is negligible. The nearest GameStop is a trek up the highway and the nearest regular video game meetup is over an hour away. I have very little family here and my circle of friends all consider video games outside of Candy Crush and Flappy Bird to be some strange abstract thing of science fiction. What I'm trying to say is that when it comes to video games, I feel like I'm on an island here. In that vein, my question for you both is, what is it like being a gamer in the UK and Europe when compared to what a gamer experiences living in the US? Do you get games at the same time as us? Are the prices drastically different? Is there a large sense of video game culture in Britain slash Brussels like there is in most of the States? These are the kind of differences I'm thinking of, but feel free to note any other unique experiences that you guys feel like you have over there. Please keep up the great work on the podcast. Thanks. Okay, thank you, Jess. It's a very interesting question because I think culturally we are very different in a lot of ways uh, in terms of video games and and generally the attitudes here towards games. Um, I don't know. I feel like attitudes towards games generally when it comes to older generations is the same across the world, but yeah, the way people true. consume games and, and the way they're priced here and things like that are, are quite different. Um, I mean, Bally, you've, you're not in Brussels anymore, but I know no. that when you were there, yeah. it was pretty barren overall. Yeah, so Brussels itself, like most of my friends were also British and working where I was working. Um, And most of them sort of had very standard British stereotype uh, views on games. A lot of them owned a PS4, probably more so than an Xbox. And the biggest game that came out every year that they'd be into was stuff like FIFA and Call of Duty. And they might pick up maybe a GTA here and there, or maybe even an Assassin's Creed here and there. But it was mm-hmm. never, it was never beyond those mainstream titles. The second I'd mention something like a God of War, they'd be like, "What is that? Like, what is God of War?" Like they wouldn't even like be aware of some of the other bigger, in my view, more interesting <laughs> games yeah. coming out. And the second you start talking about stuff that's not related to. Uh, ps4 and xbox they most people don't even know what a switch is or they might have heard of one once and they've certainly never seen or played one and i don't think they could name any of the games on it uh and that's basically been most of my experience growing up i think what's crucial to remember about the uk is that i believe even like the sega mega drive outselled the super nintendo right like, yeah sega everyone, was much much bigger here and, and that's like one sega... of the only places in the world that happened i think Right, and after Sega kind of went the way of the dodo in terms of their console business anyway, Sony was the one who basically replaced them. Like when the PS1 came out, it was a mega hit over here. It was just such a huge thing. And you can see that even today in the uh, charts every week for the UK, they put out the best-selling games. For the last like couple of months, (laughs) Crash Bandicoot Insane Collection, a game that has been out since last year, has been number one on the charts um a lot of it has to do i think because it came out on switch recently but also like that just tells you the type of experience that people here have fondness for and nostalgia for because that's what most people grew up playing most people had a playstation and they played spyro and they played crash and i would not be surprised if spyro continues to be number one when that comes out later this year uh, because that's the consciousness of of most people who play video games in the uk Uh, and you know i was part of that because my dad got me a playstation one for uh, christmas one year Uh, i didn't have an n64 and the only reason i was into those things is through the game boy like nintendo did quite well here in terms of their handhelds like pokemon was a huge deal back when we were at school and that was something that was just kind of crossed over because of the anime and everything and the cards it was it was more of a cultural phenomenon and i know it existed elsewhere in the world but 
I don't think I would have been exposed to Nintendo if Pokemon and the Game Boy hadn't been a thing. Um, though that was the way they kind of got into me, and then from there, because you were very into you know the more Nintendo side of things, you had an N sixty four. That's how I became more indoctrinated into playing more Nintendo games and uh, moved away from PlayStation after that because I just preferred that type of experience, and that was what I was more into. So yeah, and I think that's the thing is that. Here, in terms of a lot of the... So I work with kids as well, and a lot of the kids that I talk to are very focused on the big games, right? Like, Fortnite is the biggest thing in the world. The thing, the biggest game they talk about, though, uh, that no one talks about in the games industry and is just a complete blank spot because it's a kid's game is Roblox, which... Yeah, oh my god. I was just about to say one of my co-workers was talking about their their kids playing this game and i'd never heard of it and i looked up online and she was just like they're all mad for it you gotta it's enormous right and it's crazy because a lot of those games just fly past us because they are for a completely different demographic the audience for it exists and it is enormous and yet none of us know anything about it because it's just like it's it's not targeted towards us so those are kind of experiences and there are a few kids who i've talked to there who are a bit more deep into games there's one of the kids who's a big halo fan i've talked to before and you know it kind of crosses the gamut but there are more and more people who are playing switch and talking about switch there's one kid in particular who he brought his switch the other day and i was talking to him about it and he knows more than you guess i well, i would guess the average kind of you know 10 year old to know about games which was kind of cool um but yeah, I think my general experience with that is that they have their big um, cultural games that they all shift towards because their friends are playing them. And that's the big deal. It's like whatever your friend group is doing, that is what you're going to gravitate towards. And that's the same with my cousin who's into Fortnite at the moment and, and plays that with his friends. He plays FIFA with his friends. And, and that's kind of the zeitgeist, right? Because as soon as that disappears and no one else is playing it, then you move on to the next big thing. And that's how kids work, right? Like when we were at school, it was a lot of what is the uh, the new fad of the day? Yeah. Is it scooters? Is it micro machines? Is it uh, bionicles? Is it whatever? And that's, you know, we just move from thing to thing right. because that's what we were all into at the time. Is it Warhammer? You know, we did that for yeah. a long time. So. Yeah. So that's kind of how my experience has been, um, you know, working with kids and, and things that they're into. For us, like growing up, we were definitely an island unto ourselves when it came to like our tastes in video games. And yes. like, our friend group of playing games wasn't wide, but as narrow as it was, we were all like Nintendo focused. And that was what we got the most enjoyment out of. I and think we were all really like Pokemon focused. We were very Pokemon focused, yeah. absolutely. Um, and it took a while for us to get into like Zelda and like Pokemon was the first big one younger. But then our wider groups of friends at that age were barely even playing video games at all. And the few that yeah. they were playing were maybe on like laptops and PCs and like... Yes, that just... was a big experience when I was, uh, you know, going when I was about 14 or so. Everyone was playing Counter-Strike on their laptops through LAN play and stuff like that. And and everyone, and that was the era of Call of Duty, right? So the, the first person shooter was a major deal. And so a lot of people were doing that and everyone, you know, playing FIFA because it's such a big football, such a huge thing here. So So that's kind of the way that worked when was that age but but yeah it it was very rare to find someone who was into the types of games we were into you know Um, yeah it was no one really knew about no one really knew about and that was arguably a wider case for the uk like we said like nintendo just traditionally has done 
pretty damn poorly here with i guess that game boy pokemon craze being a huge exception to that rule um yeah and i guess also wii sports is to an extent an exception to that rule that definitely yeah did well and i think both of those you can call worldwide cultural phenomenons as opposed to just based here because they you know but your traditional that that traditional love for games like mario 64 and zelda ocarina of time i think personally has just resonated far more in the united states um, yeah no because you you talk to a lot of people you know who i know people when you know when they go to college and stuff and they'll talk to other people who are like oh yeah i played mario growing up and yeah i played zelda growing up and then i didn't play it anymore like smash brothers in college is is a yeah exactly right and whereas here people played crash bandicoot growing up and they played spire of the dragon growing up it was all halo and uh call of duty at at university for me personally exactly yeah like when i went to university like games thing it was like a halo tournament and i bad at halo uh so i didn't do very well so you know those kinds of things were much more cultural touchstones here as opposed to as I hear often, people talk about, you know, Ocarina of Time being the big game of the time in the US. And I think just Nintendo had a much larger impact in the American market. Uh, and here they just didn't. And they still, to this day, do not have a big push. Like, even you go into GameStops or Game, I guess, uh, in the UK, Nintendo still doesn't have a big presence on the shelf, despite the fact that Switch is doing much better. Uh, it's still relegated to a tiny little corner. Um, honestly, games retail is kind of going the way of the dodo anyway, but that, that's what I use as a, as a measure to some degree to see what the more mainstream yeah. people are, are into. And the um, the PS1 Classic was obviously just announced uh, yes. a week or two ago. And Wouldn't we be surprised ju- if that just sells right. out here. It is going to sell through the roof in the UK because it's so nostalgic for so many people of like our age and slightly older. And on top of that, it's like fairly affordable and it's going to be like, you know, the big Christmas seller. And I think Americans will be shocked at how well that sells in the UK, I think. I think that it is just going to be insane what that does and i guess it does depend whether what licenses they get for the other games and certainly the five games yeah. that have been announced for it i would argue perhaps aren't the most nostalgic for uk gamers no compared to you know i don't know the fifa's crash bandicoot spyro uh what's another Tomb raider even Tomb you know? raider those are all huge in the uk so if it's a, if it is just going to be sort of symphony of the night final fantasy 7 maybe you could argue it won't quite light fire like i'm suggesting but yeah potentially it depends on what they get for sure um in terms of getting games at the same time uh this used to be a big deal it used to be oh, such to a be pain in the agony. ass we were very lucky when pokemon diamond and pearl came out because my dad was in the u.s on business at the time literally when it came out in america so oh, we he picked up he picked so up hyped. copies for us when he was over there and so we got it a full like two months early compared to when it came out in the uk which was awesome and i loved that but for a lot of games we were waiting forever i remember reading onm which is official nintendo magazine and they were talking about animal crossing and the fact that animal crossing on gamecube had been out for like over a year and a half in america and it wasn't out here yet and it was taking forever and ever and we just had this agonizing wait for these games for so so long uh and it sucks and it even happened more recently like even fire emblem fates was a game that i had to wait a couple of months on because of region differences and them not wanting to release it at the same time but at this point and this moment games are so worldwide and the internet is so worldwide that it's just pretty much everything comes out at the same time like i can't remember the last time a big major video game release has had a 
significant delay Could you compared imagine to America. if something like Mario Odyssey was delayed two months on Europe Europe versus the US? Like it would it would yeah. be it would feel ridiculous. And like the the amount of podcasts and things that video games media we consume that would be talking about that game before we'd even touched it would just yeah yeah and, and, and like obviously we do tend to buy big hot games very close or if not on release so that, obviously not everyone is doing that uh but yeah for me personally it, it used to drive us mad especially for stuff like pokemon yeah pokemon was a big one fire emblem like constantly i was like why why do you not just put them out at the same time and it's because the way they deal with the uk is it's part of europe and so they have to translate these games into the five major languages that they do every time uh, which takes a lot more effort and work and means that it gets delayed because of localization efforts on each of those fronts which is like they could just ship the american version for us but oftentimes they'll even do like a european version of for the uk like a british localization which is different from even the american localization we see it obviously in titles all the time and it was mostly during the 3ds era Mm. we had you know pushmo becoming pull blocks and um luigi's mansion 2 just not being having a 2 in it and just being called dark moon over here uh it's very weird and i don't know why they do that but you know it's it's hopefully going away because obviously now with switch everything is region free and you can kind of get anything from wherever as long as you have the ability to buy it off the eShop. Like, hell, we were able to get, you know, Okami from the American eShop. Yeah. Um, so it totally could be easier, but it's very good. <laughs> yeah, it's much better than it used to be. Yeah. And so that situation hopefully is just a complete thing of the past. There are very rare exceptions these days which um, come out in Japan and then come out here and in America at the same time. Dragon Quest Eleven is a big one because it had been out in Japan for a year already. And it's only just come out here. Persona 5 was about six to seven months first in Japan and then over here. So it's the big like Japanese RPGs, the more classic stuff that takes a little while. But I think at this point, we are pretty universal when it comes to that stuff. Mm. Um, when it comes to pricing, oh boy. It's not oh been boy. good for quite a while. No, uh, it's getting worse uh, and it continues to drive me insane. It's The big thing with pricing is in America what you buy on Amazon is usually the same price as what you can find in the retail store, right? Like $60 is the price and it will be that price pretty much everywhere. So going digital is fine for those places because it's you're not saving any money. Whereas here, and it's starting to change now because things are getting more expensive, but forever, you could save at least £10 going on Amazon and getting it delivered or going like quite very consistently and very easily. It's not like, yeah. yeah, it's like like pretty much any online retailer, you could save a significant amount of money. Whereas the online stores, the PlayStation one in particular is ridiculous. Like they're charging 60 pounds for something like red dead redemption two, which is just, it's not on like that is ridiculous. Games used to be around 40 quid here. Uh, and it's just kept going up higher and higher. And it's, very frustrating and one uh, thing annoying. we do that the us doesn't do is we include our value-added tax in the price yes, that you see right is visible so in the us obviously you'll buy something and then once you've bought it there's this extra money <laughs> they have to pay and that does drive me a little bananas when i am in the, in the states but yeah it's it is one added factor why our prices look a little higher than they perhaps should yeah potentially uh, and you know obviously 
when we were trying to download our car we were like oh right there's tax and we need to figure out a place that doesn't charge tax so that we could buy this game yeah. properly uh which is is a fun which was uh, possible uh, but it, yeah there are a few more hoops to jump through yeah just a couple um but yeah i, I would say generally like the culture here for video games is just not nintendo focused in any way uh and yeah and we're kind of on an island in that sense as well uh, i would say so <laughs> hence why um, hence why we're the biggest nintendo british podcast there, there oh yeah totally that's definitely i don't know, i don't know how many other british nintendo podcasts there are you know that's that is an interesting if point. if you're a british nintendo podcast let us know we'd love to yeah find out more sure absolutely uh, and do a bit of crossover that'd be fun uh but yeah I, I think that's pretty much it anything anything else that you can think um, in terms of differences just watch the space that ps1 classic is going to be hot property here in the it's UK. just gonna yeah. be the best-selling console of the year here which uh, is not even a joke like that's actually yeah. gonna happen <laughs> <laughs> yeah not actually a joke um our final email is from B King from Sweden. Hey guys, I recently moved out and finally got my first real apartment together with my girlfriend. It's a huge step, somewhat scary, but also very exciting. The other day I started thinking about what to take with me to the new apartment and one obvious thing that came to mind is my game collection. Until now, until now I have only been able to display my games in my bedroom on some shelves and now that I finally got my own place... I would like to put them somewhere else. My girlfriend is, however, not so keen on me showing off my games by putting them in the living room for everyone to see. But I'm trying to convince her that it means a lot to me. She also has a collection of some sorts that I am not so keen on, so we can probably work something out so we are both uh, able to display our collections. My question is, has one of you ever been in a situation where your significant other has been hesitant towards or been against you showing off your games? What did you do? Also, how do you like your show... How do you like to show off your games? Do you have a dedicated gaming room or do you display them somewhere else? And do you have any tips on how to sort your games alphabetical order by series or, or uh, by series or order of release, etc.? As always, I love the show and hearing your thoughts on things gaming related. Also, thank you for taking the time to read my email. Many greetings from Sweden, Beking. Great. Thank you, Beking, for the email. Um, I know you've had the situation on the plane <laughs> with the with the switch, which is not the same thing here. But sure. um, it, I guess it's showing your games off in a way. Yeah, <laughs> to some yeah, yeah. Degree. Um, uh, yeah. Caroline was originally quite like shy about the idea that I would be playing games in public, like on a plane or something. Um, mm-hmm. Now she doesn't care, and she does it herself. Um, uh-huh. We when we lived together, so we're now living together in Edinburgh, actually, with my parents. So it's, we're sort of in a separate kind of flatty apartment thing next to them, and it, it's not like we're in a permanent residence now where we're where I'm looking to display my game. So my games right, are all yeah. back living in my room, actually. Currently. Yeah. But when we were in Brussels, uh, yeah, we had shelves, and I'd display my board games and my video games, and they look they look nice and yeah i i kind of only bring the video games i'm playing with me because i do have a very big video game collection and um not until i sort of have a proper flat where once i've moved absolutely everything out of my parents house will i probably um look to to move it all there because i didn't want to bring that entire collection across to brussels knowing that i'd probably move again in a couple of years so sure um, my collection has moved a lot um i was very interesting from b king's email uh when he was saying that his girlfriend has a collection of something that he hasn't um, yeah he doesn't he doesn't doesn't disclose what that collection is but he doesn't feel comfortable about showing on so i'm interested to know what that is and that hopefully you can 
reach a compromise. But yeah, yeah exactly. I, generally, I like my video game collection. I I buy about half my games digital these days, so I'm not. Yeah, I'm, it's not overly important that these are my games. And I'm going to show them off, but they look nice. I like having them. Um and. Yeah, I've got a little bit of Nintendo memorabilia with like Yoshi yeah. and a couple of Amiibo. And so, yeah, I, it's something I like, but I don't feel overly strongly about it. If Caroline was like, you're not allowed to store these games on this shelf, then I'd be like, well, fine, but can I put them in a the box somewhere else? Like, it doesn't overly bother me how public they are personally. But uh, yeah, I've, I've never been big on displaying my games generally. Um, since I've like moved out of home and stuff, I and I don't really have a room at home anymore because it's like used for an Airbnb and stuff. So it just becomes Free advert like, here. yeah, exactly. <laughs> Go, you know, stay there. Uh, so I like when I was younger. Obviously, I had all my posters on my wall and stuff like that. And a lot of those would they were more music stuff than I guess video game stuff. And that's how I um, like decorated my room to some degree. But I've never had a lot of video game memorabilia or um felt that strongly about displaying my game collection um i like seeing it i like seeing how many games i've had but having it very public is not something i i'm a, it's not that i'm not a big fan of it it's just i don't really care yeah you know like i get I more just... satisfaction from my digital collection of backlog club games and knowing what i've beaten and what i have to yeah. play and i'm much more right. proud and interested in in that and it'll sort of tabulate kind of what i've been playing and when and and that's more interesting in terms of what i'm playing than what i necessarily own yeah sure like the digital curation side of it is something that i'm far more into and cataloging what i've played and and stuff like that it's that's much more how my brain works and how i like to to do things but no i have a few things like my current room right now but i'm staying at my grandparents and so like i can't really decorate this room to any degree and there's not much i can put in it but you know i have my desk decorated it with your pc yeah exactly my pc takes up like the majority of the space so (laughs) i've got that and i've got like my yoshi from club nintendo sitting on top of my playstation i've got my slime that you got me from japan sitting on top of my playstation i have my like three amiibos lucina samus and shulk the greatest trilogy of amiibos ever clearly um (laughs) and they're just like sitting on top on top of my wii u which is next to me so it's more for me i guess um and when i get set up and have like a place and have like a big tv it would more be about the entertainment system and setting that up and having all the consoles there and having drawers where i can keep every single controller and i like storage i like having places to put things so i'm far more about like closed spaces and drawers and and cupboards where i can put my stuff and then access it to keep things clean and tidy um because that's how i like to arrange a lot of things in my life and and make it so that it's not a nightmare mess like my sister where she just drops literally everything on the floor and it's like a bombshell has hit the site which drives me insane uh so so yeah i'm I'm much more about that kind of style and all of my games at home at the moment are like downstairs they're in a cupboard they're all locked away and i'm fine with that I'm, i i can dig into it and find something if i need it and get out something if i need it but i like you i really don't like it drives me insane where people leave discs just sitting out there in the open and cartridges just hanging about and i i can't abide by it and i they must be put away and they must be put in the right case and not switched around to wrong cases and yeah very very pernickety about that stuff so yeah and i yeah i generally have not owned enough video game stuff to display i'm not going to be the person who goes and buys a fucking amiibo stand mount to put in a cab <laughs> yeah. glass cabinet and show off to the world like that stuff is cool but i honestly see it as a bit of a waste of space um and 
it's nice but i i think for me if i was to get into putting more video game stuff up i would look for like paintings and things that aren't necessarily look at me i'm a video game thing but are artistic and have a video game association yeah. or meaning to I, it. I really like to get a breath of the wild poster actually and just frame it and put it on the wall like yeah some really great or, or something stuff. that is just you know much more kind of low-key and yeah. you have like some artists who do things like that where they're like really gorgeous landscapes and then this like tiny thing that signifies this is a video game thing sure. um, orioto is one of the artists on He's all, he used to be on Gaff. I think he's on Reset Era now, and um, and they use a lot of his artwork in the kind of funny games cast on the on the background on the big video wall. Uh, and a lot of his artwork is generally just like really gorgeous landscapes with distinct markers to be like this is this place in this video game. But if you didn't know anything about video games, you wouldn't think it was, and and you would think that it's just a really nice piece of art. So so stuff like that is stuff that I think about when I'm you know going to have a place is, is doing you know that type of stuff yeah. uh, and and like i've putting that up. i've already bought like a, a big widescreen tv and the ps4 with caroline so like that those are sort of like joint things that we own that we've moved from brussels and now we've got them you know where we are in edinburgh and like we wherever we go next that'll be like <clears throat> the next place where we'd move that to so the idea of like a gaming room or like a specific place for that uh caroline's actually super understanding about the idea that no that's just the living room we don't need a separate gaming yeah. room necessarily we're totally cool to like have... if i lived in america and had one of those fuck off huge houses yeah. with basement in it <laughs> yeah. like the basement i would turn into because like danny o'dwyer has he's because he's now moved out into the middle of nowhere in, in i think it's maryland and he has a huge basement underneath his house and he's basically turned that into like a really cool video game office space with right. like memorabilia on the walls and it looks awesome it looks so so cool so a space like that which is like a large space where i can have like my games and stuff would be amazing but hey look we're millennials we'll never own any property so yeah. good luck yeah that's yeah yeah so i'm perfectly happy just using the living room to put you know the ps4 the switch dock and all that linked up there so yeah it's it's fine and i don't need to i don't need to show the world my collection necessarily i just need the ability to easily play my collection that's what i'm yes. most keen on and absolutely said, i'm always convenient over aesthetic that yeah, is me absolutely. that's why i don't like buying fucking clothes because yeah. to me I, I see clothes as a necessity not a yeah. aesthetic like i just don't care about that stuff yeah. I, i'm far more about practicality than i am about um you know what something looks I do, like i do like a video game t-shirt or like a star wars t-shirt I'm, yeah i've gotten quite a few more of those recently and caroline's bought me a few which is very nice so yeah yeah i like that kind of thing but i'm not i'm not like i have to have that t-shirt to show this or you know right it's exactly. cool to wear every now and then that's fine yeah it's not a big yeah, deal pretty um, much but yeah beaking thank you for your email and i hope you reach a resolution and you're oh, yeah, able no. to display your your video game collection so, mm-hmm yeah. Uh, that's all we've got time for in terms of your emails but as i said at the top of the segment please send in more please send them to this nintendo life at gmail.com that's this nintendo life at gmail.com or jump in our discord server link in the description and post in our emails thread on there uh, join us after the break when it's round two of the Nint- nintendo quiz and i will be testing the, the knowledge of one nbz uh, so stay tuned for that
All right, everyone, welcome back to the third part of the show today. And we are turning the tables once again because previously I had this idea to do a thing called the Nintendo quiz, where I just wanted to see how much other video game knowledge Bally had with a lot of different it, questions. It didn't go that awfully. Did. It didn't go it amazingly, didn't. but it, didn't, it wasn't no. awful. Uh, and there was a multiple choice section, and then we did like a Jeopardy board section, and it was it took quite a while, we realized, and it was a little bit convoluted. So we've just pared it down this time, uh, but now it's going to be Bally testing me, which is fun, uh, and I really want to see how well I do, because I, I feel like I walk around saying, oh yeah, I have all this stupid video game knowledge in my brain. <laughs> you have um, said that a number of times on this oh, show. Yeah. So now we can actually find out how much you retain. Right, put on the spot with the pressure. Can can I handle it or will I bottle it? This this is the real uh, thing that we need to find out. So, so Bali, what have we got uh, for this quiz today? Um, we've got our four categories are returning from our previous Nintendo quiz. They are, of course, the end zone, play that station to PC or not to PC, and. I'm just getting the name here where is it what's in the xbox yes uh so those are all based on the different platforms we had late to the third party before which i think we forgot about and we might bring that one back next time but i still think that's my favorite name of the categories <laughs> of and of them. we have five questions in each category getting going from easy to hard and yeah. we've said that those those questions are worth one to five points and if you get that question wrong you will lose that number of points but you can't go below zero yeah so the total points i could get is 60 overall if i get everything right which I don't there's know, a chance seems, there's a chance mm, it's possible i don't know we'll see uh, but yeah feel free to play along at home as well uh it's just gonna be a fun little quiz game uh yeah so so i don't know how you want to kick this off bally um just pick a pick a category and then pick a difficulty i think Okay, uh, let's start off with the easiest Nintendo the one. Easiest Nintendo one. That's the the easiest place to go. Okay, from 1992 to 2016, Nintendo was the majority shareholder in which Major League Baseball team? Oh, of course, you'd ask this question. It's the Seattle one, right? Um, What's their name? Is it the Mariners? Seattle Mariners. Is that your final answer? Yes. That is correct. There we go. Solid. I remember, didn't they have? Because um, you've been to a Mariners game, haven't you? I've not been. I've not been to Seattle. I've not been to oh. Mariners. No, I've oh, been. I've, I've been to, to the Toronto Blue Jays. They're my team. Yes, I have family in Toronto, and I've been to a good three or four games there. I've also been to a Toronto Blue Jays game in Arizona, in Phoenix. Oh, really? Uh, they wow. Were playing, they were playing the Diamondbacks. So I've seen. I've seen my team home and away. That's how hardcore I am. Wow, crazy! Anyway, yeah, yeah. No, the um, I remember they had some like they had 3ds's there, like yeah, like they did yeah, the yeah. Louvre or something. Did did they get like stats on the game or something? I remember some yes, vague you, you were able to like do something along those lines. But you brought your 3ds along, and there was a whole thing you could log in. You could like order stuff from your 3ds and stuff like that. Right, like get was... food to your seat from yeah. your 3ds, which is yeah. a great idea. I would I would do that. I think they should uh, implement Switch stuff. But yeah, they did um, sell it off in 2016. I remember that being a big story because they needed some money it was like the wii u era and it was like what are we gonna do let's sell this baseball team i guess because it's kind of taking a lot of our uh revenue so so interesting there you go nice. cool all right there you go one point nice Grand love it okay uh let's go uh play that station uh play 100. that station um are you gonna go for the easiest one yes 
How many different systems has the Gran Turismo series been released on? Oh my goodness. Okay. Um, so PS1, this Gran Turismo game. Um, PS2, obviously. PS3 and PS4. I'm trying to think if there were a hand, if there was a handheld iteration of GT. <sighs> PSP, this is my blank spot. PSP is like my biggest blank spot, I think, in terms of games. Because... I never owned one, and I wasn't very active in looking up its history and past. So there's a chance that there's a PSP game, and it could be five total systems. But I think four is the safe answer, and because this is the easiest question, I think it might be that one. Although you could be being a dick, so this is the problem. I am going to say four. Is that your final answer? Yes. That is correct. Okay, good. It is four. Yes. So PS1, 2, 3, and 4. Right, exactly. Because GT Sport came out recently on PS4. Otherwise, if that hadn't come out, then it would only be three up until this point in time. Great. Okay. It's good. Got the easy easy ones right. So the system is working. Uh, Let's go to what's in the Xbox for the first one. Okay. Who was the exclusive Xbox character for Soul Calibur 2? uh that would be spawn is his name it's the comic book character is that your final answer yeah spawn that's correct yes okay good because i was i know hihachi and i know link yeah the xbox one spawn i remember it's like the most random character yeah because i just didn't know who it was at the time uh but but yeah okay there we go that's good to know that i'm not getting that name wrong great fantastic um up to three points okay let's go pc for the first one i'm just gonna clear out this bottom row fair enough first of all okay this is hilarious what does ram stand for uh random access memory is that your final answer yes correct okay i didn't know because rom rom is um read only memory so i think right well, I don't know. Don't ask me. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I what's like a how PC you're... term that, that is not overly hard, but not overly easy? That's just kind of like a... Yeah, anyway. Also, I would argue that this is not a very video game-based question, but it kind <laughs> of is. It's PC-related. It's, kind of, it's, it's PC-related, but it's like asking me about like NVIDIA graphics cards and stuff. Like, I guess technically an that's, NVIDIA graphics that's card how question... That's PC gaming can be said. It's also no, with... no, but you have to talk about the video games. I, obviously, RAM is important for playing games on right. PC, but, um, but yeah, that's that's the thing. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so yeah. All right. Four points. You got all the easy okay. ones. Okay. Okay, all right. Let's um, let's focus in then. Let's focus okay. in on the PlayStation category, and sure. let's go for the second uh, question there. What fictional species is Ratchet from Ratchet and Clank? Oh, he's a Lombax, I believe. Is that your I final th- answer? It's either Wombax. I think it's lo- Lombax. Yes, I believe so. Is the name okay? That's your final answer. Yes, that is correct. Okay, because it's a weird name. And it could be, I because it sounds like a wombat. I was I right. I kind of get that a bit confused. I, I was like, that'd be a good question. And I thought, oh, actually, maybe some he's a real life animal that's just been yeah. personified. But actually, he's not. He's an actual fictional race or species. I, so, yeah, yeah, I kind of thought that nice. a lombax was a real thing. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so hearing that it's not, it's like, oh, it's okay. Not. So there you go. <laughs> okay. Cool. Which is well, weird. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, I have learned something here today because, yeah, I thought that a Lombax was a real animal, so there you go. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's go up to number three. Up to number play, three, play that, play that station. What is the charging bull on Wall Street replaced with in Spider-Man for PS4? What? This is a question about New York, not about Spider-Man. Um, it's a game on PS4. That's really. Oh, Are you aware of the question. charging bull on Wall Street? I've yeah, because I've got a picture next to it. Um, the real one, or in when Spider-Man. I, literally, when I went to New York, okay. I have a picture Very next good. to the charging bull. I here's the thing, because I didn't do a lot of fight. Like I took pictures of all the landmarks in Spider-Man. Um, I have a feeling it's not actually notified as a landmark in this game. No, it could it's, be it's wrong. probably not. It's yeah. probably sitting there. Hmm. See, this is some slyness. You've already gone and started talking about RAM in the PC question. You talk about baseball in the Nintendo section, and now we're talking about New York in the PlayStation I mean, section. It's, so. all, it's all thematic. Come on. Uh, yeah, okay, yes, it is. But this is like, hmm, this is a bit sly. <laughs> this is, um, this is, this is. Do you know why this is a dick move? It's because you know my geography is bad. You know that I don't know where the places are. Geography. It has a hundred percent geography. It's a landmark in a place. Oh, God. I guess it probably would be a Spider-Man-related thing. What kind of Spider-Man-related thing would it be? Do you want, do you want a clue? Mm, no. You know, okay. that's, you know, that would take the sting out of it. You know, I'd feel bad Fair if enough. I got it right. So I, I might have to just not get it right. Hmm. I feel like there must be some kind of Spider-Man-esque statue... Something dumb like Norman Osborn or Jonah Jameson. I don't think it would be Jonah Jameson because everyone hates him. I'm going to say it's it's a statue of Norman Osborn because that's the only thing that I could think of that would replace it. So is that your final answer? Yeah, that's what I'm going to say. Uh, that is incorrect. Mm, um, yeah, looking back on this, this is kind of. <laughs> really really hard oh um, yeah no a game that's just come out it is, which... it, it is a spider-man reference um okay. and it's lockjaw the alien dog is what, what the fuck it's is like, that i don't even like know a, what that is it's like a bulldog that um looks like an alien do you did you even know what that was before you researched this question no but i, I know that it, <laughs> it had gone around online a lot that they'd replaced this bull with that see dog. this is the peril of me having a job and not being on twitter 24 7 is i'll miss <laughs> things like that which exactly. i otherwise would it's wouldn't. all unraveling oh right well, there so you is go. that minus three points then no it's not minus it's just i don't get the three points okay got you, got you. yeah right gutted okay well let's go up to number four then for play that station i feel very annoyed now because <laughs> i'm not getting 100 percent anymore what was the last game naughty dog worked on before the first uncharted Ooh, okay um oh, did they do it or did they not that's the question i'm pretty sure they did so obviously they worked on jack and daxter and that whole series but they had a tradition which i wanted them to follow through after uncharted um, because there would be the perfect name for it but after the crash series they did crash team racing after the jack series they did a jack and daxter racing game which was called jack x i believe jack x was the previous game they did before they started working on uncharted is that your final answer yes that is correct yes that is very impressive i thought that was a real banana skin to no yeah i i I know naughty dog's history well enough and the the funny thing jack x combat racing is oh that's the full name i didn't know that i've never actually seen a single screenshot or 
piece of footage of Jack X. I have no idea what it's like. But uh, Naughty Dog have this... Um, they had this habit anyway of they did a trilogy then a racer cart game following up so they did crash then crash team racing jack then jack x and everyone's like it's so crossover no but it would be so perfect because you could call it uncarted like it's perfect (laughs) it's so perfect and they didn't do it and i'm very gutted that they didn't but naughty dog at that point had changed into a much more serious studio it's only it's only just you've only just reached the end of the uncharted games i guess so now would be the time to do it i guess right because it wasn't really a trilogy because they did four and they did lost legacy afterwards so do we know if there's any more uncharted coming there may be in the future um it's it's very interesting they leave that series in a place where after uncharted 4 i could see exactly where they would go next but i think it would probably be another decade before they would bring it back or so which i think it's good to leave it the ps5 with it or something i don't know yeah maybe we'll see um what would you like to go for next let's finish up the play that station oh here we go it's getting a bit tougher now yeah you might be able to get this okay in april 2016 sony computer entertainment and sony network entertainment international was restructured and reorganized into sony interactive entertainment that same year sony interactive entertainment moved from tokyo to which city Okay. Hmm. Another geography question. I see how it is. <laughs> this mm. is all Sony related. I see. I see how it is, Valley. This is this is how you're getting me out. Is you're actually you've disguised <laughs> this video game quiz as a baseball and geography quiz. This is, this is the reason that uh, I'm finding this tricky. Uh. So, I mean, smart money would be Kyoto, um, because that makes sense. Uh, <laughs> um osaka potentially another one i'm going to say i'm going to say oh god it's either it's a toss-up between those two for me i'm going to say kyoto i'm going to say that that's where they moved to but this this is the thing if it's a hard question i feel like it's going to have a hard answer i'm psyching myself out i'm going to say osaka that's my final answer that's your final answer Mm -hmm. that is incorrect Ah, uh, the correct answer is San Mateo or Mateo. I don't know how you pronounce that. California. Oh right, because they yeah they restructured to America. Oh, I'm being an idiot. Okay, well I wouldn't have got that anyway because I don't even know where that is or what that place is called. So um, I probably would have just said California. So there you go. Well, California is not a city. I mean, yeah, but, you know, generally it's a place. It's a so. place, that's true. But that's the closest I could get. You know how bad my geography is, Valley. <laughs> so. Okay. I thought you might have, you might know that one. Anyway, it was... No. It was within no. your reach, surely. Uh, potentially, potentially. But also, it's a geography question, so I, I call bullshit on this entire quiz. So <laughs> <there we go>. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, let's, uh, let's go back then to... Let's go through PC. Because I'm PC? interested if there's more questions that are about actual hardware as opposed to <laughs> video games now this is so. this is this is a, de- a, de- a very big developer so here we go number two P- to pc or not to pc what was valve's first ever game i feel like it should be an obvious answer but i feel like they've worked on something else before but also because it's a lower down question in difficulty it shouldn't be that difficult i think i'm just gonna say half-life because that seems like the obvious answer but yeah i don't actually know what would what val's first game was but i'm gonna guess it's half-life so i'm I'm gonna say that and that's where we'll we'll go is that your final answer yeah that is correct 
Okay. Yeah. Good. Glad. Second, I thought second I, tier, I so say, I didn't want to, you know. It's... Yeah, no, no, no. I was trying to, if, if that had been the fifth question, then I'd be like, mm, there's some slyness going on here. Like Valve worked on some Super Nintendo game or some shit like I know Rockstar did when they were DMA design and stuff like right. that. So, yeah. Okay, cool. So you're right. up to 12 points, I can say. Okay, good. Which is so I've lost eight half. points total at this point in time, which is gutting, but you know. Are we subtracting those or? No, no, no. Okay. I, I, like that's my potential. That's, that's, so you, yeah. Eight points, you've missed out on potential. Fair yes, much. exactly. Are we sticking with PC? Yeah, let's keep going. To PC or not to PC. For three points, third difficulty. What is the currency used in The Sims and SimCity? Oh, boy. <sighs> currency in The Sims. I, uh, I was this watching... Was, this was um, suggested by Caroline, I should say. This was her idea. Really? Okay. And I was okay, like, that's well, a great idea. <laughs> okay. Um, oh, boy. Some kind of sim dollar currency, because uh, they speak simlish. I feel like the name sim would be in the currency. I thought you had watched well. um, that I series have, yes. on Beastcast. That's why I thought yes. you might get this. Yes, um, Thirteen Deadly Sims, Giant Bombs premium series where Abby kills every Giant Bomb member. But the thing is, that series wasn't really like they, she had to save up money to buy stuff. But I don't think they ever referred to what that money was called sim bucks no that sounds really dumb i'm trying to think of something that has sim in it but also relates to money i'm just gonna say uh sim sim dollars i don't know i actually have no idea yeah you've got me okay the correct got me the correct answer is simoleon really okay no i didn't know that sounds like a race from star wars yeah it really does sounds like an alien race Uh, I was correct it had Sim in it, but yeah, there you go. They never brought up that name when I was watching that series, so that's a blank spot. Well, I'll remember that now. I'll just add that to my bank, so thanks. Uh, Cheers for that one. We'll be good. Okay. Uh, Let's keep going then with PC. We're going on PC for four points. Who co-led development of Day of the Tentacle with Tim Schafer? Uh, I would say that's Ron Gilbert, probably. Is Is that your final answer? Yeah, I'll say that. The answer is Dave Grossman. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I don't have a great uh, idea of those classic, tel- uh, not Telltale. Um, <laughs> adventure games. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, adventure games. The LucasArts adventure games. Um, Dave Grossman's a name. I mean, this was like way back in 91, right? It's pretty Yeah, old. that's a name I've heard of, but because he's not as familiar, because uh, Tim Schafer, Ron Gilbert are the two big names so i assumed it was ron gilbert but i guess ron had probably left by then by the time day of the tentacle came out so yeah well great stepped into that one i i feel like that's another caroline question because <laughs> i know she like like <laughs> no, classic but games, she so. was like oh you should ask she wanted me to ask the names of the characters in day of the tentacle and oh I, boy, no and i was yeah. a bit like no no I, yeah i thought yeah. if i stick to development he might get it so mm, anyway yeah close not to but be not but quite. All right, that was, all right. That was hard. That's the second hardest that is, PC Yeah, that's, question, a, that's so, hard. You know, that is difficult. That, that's hard. Yeah. Okay. Do you want the hardest PC question? Yes, let's go for okay, it. This is hard. Okay. Doom came out in 1993 and was developed by ID Software. Id Wh- Software. Id, whatever. Right. <laughs> you can't ask a question and not the name <laughs> of the developer. Oh, I went to know. I just read it, okay. Ugh. Which company did the founders of Id Software move from? 
Oh, oh, oh. Mm. I do See, know I just, this. I just thought this was the most MBZ question possible. Like, it's, I do... it's a group of developers moving from one place yes. to another is your forte. I do know this. I do know this because it was a big company. I'm just going to... Uh, it feels like it's an... It feels like Microsoft's the easy answer. It's a hard enough question to where I don't think that is the answer. So that's the problem here is I think that there is another company that I'm not thinking of that was big in the tech space, like uh, some PC company. Oh, actually, oh, it could be. Could it be Atari, maybe? This is very difficult. This is a hard question. I am going to... I'm going to say Atari. Because that seems like that era kind of area. Um, and they may have left that company to form id. That's what I'll say. Is that, I don't know. Is that your final answer? Yeah. That is incorrect. Mm. Uh, you're closer with like Microsoft and I guess West Coast America. It yeah. Was uh-huh. A company called SoftDisk. Okay. No, I didn't know that. Um, so there you which go. Which I think is California based. Anyway. Great. Just, All right. just, just thought you might get that. But we'll see. No, no. It's These hard. are harder than it's hard. yeah. It's harder than I thought they would be. So, jeez, Bally, really just knocking <laughs> really, me down a peg. Really brutal today. I know, very very brutal questions. Okay, all right, let's uh, let's go to Xbox then. Let's Going go Xbox. up the chain. What's yep. in the Xbox? Yes, for two points, you will be aware of the series Halo. Yes, I do know Halo. But what That's does true. the term Halo mean in these games? Oh, for fuck's sake! <laughs> um. <laughs> I think it refers to... I'll give you some wiggle room on this one. Okay. In what sense? Well, you've got to get the general gist of what what it is. Or what what they are. This is the problem with knowing, like, uh, stuff around games and not actual (laughs) Have you ever ever gone beneath the the surface level of this game? Like, I have... uh, This is the thing. I have heard stuff. Not not watched a Let's Play? No, that's the problem. I didn't. I wasn't watching those. Um, feel like it is some object or something or some place. Knowing you, it's <laughs> fucking geography shit. It's probably a place, isn't it? Uh, I know the halo is a thing, so I'm gonna guess that it is a like artifact, like some artifact of some kind, technological. Okay. Artifact. Is that your final answer? Sure, I don't fucking know. That is incorrect. Okay. So, the term Halo refers to the Halo Array, a group of immense habitable ring-shaped superweapons that of were created uh, by the Forerunners to destroy the Flood, an infectious great. alien parasite. So I thought that... I've you, heard of the Flood. You I, could I potentially have got this from... What's the most recent Halo game revealed that... Um, infinite infinite so you actually see a halo there where it's like this space it's basically a big space station that's also that's shaped like a ring whatever and yeah it's based off of some book apparently um great anyway see here's the thing with this quiz is that all the questions that i gave you were knowledge from my brain all these questions are things you just wikipedia (laughs) so (laughs) Uh. it's good to know what a halo is Anyway. Yeah, no, you're you're right. I'll keep that knowledge. I'll, I'll bank that one away. All right, cool. Okay, we're, right. we're stepping Let's up. Let's go. Next one, one. I could have probably swapped these two questions around. I think this one's maybe easier, but we'll give it a go. What is the name of the controller announced earlier this year and came out on September 4th that allows disabled gamers to play games more easily? 
Uh, Xbox Adaptive Controller. Is that your final answer? I mean, maybe it's called Xbox One Adaptive Controller, but it's the Adaptive Controller, yes. Yeah, it's the Xbox Adaptive Controller, correct. Yes. If you ask me any question that is current relevant video game news, (laughs) that's easy for me. I can do that. That's three points. You're up to 15 points. Yes. Okay. Are we stepping up again? Mm Mm-hmm. Four points. Name either of the countries that Forza Horizon 2 takes place in. Oh, oh uh, actually oh really mm. Ooh, ooh, that's a, lot, a dick move a lot of points up for grabs here oh hmm so forza horizon 3 was australia um two oh, this is really annoying me because i wasn't following it as closely back then I feel like it's italy i feel like that that makes sense i mean there's two countries you can pick from so yeah you got, you got so even I, more can, I, can i say can i say two uh, or do I only have to say one? You, you can give one answer, but there are two <sighs> correct answers. So oh, it's name it. either okay. of the countries. Uh, I'm going to stick. I'm going to say Italy. I think I'm going to do that. Is because... that your final answer? Yeah. I'm not happy about it. You should have asked me about three because I know where that one takes place. <laughs> but yes. <laughs> Everyone knows the last one. That's the easier. Is that your final answer then? Italy. Yes. That is correct. Oh, good. Oh, my goodness. Uh, it takes place in southern France and northern Italy. Oh, there you go. There, I, I knew it was in there somewhere. Because, you know, when a lot of my knowledge of Forza comes from Jeff Gersmer on podcast talking about it. And so I think when he's talking about, like, where the previous games were set, that's probably been hidden away there somewhere. Mm. So there you go. It's up to, up to 19 points then, MZ. Okay, good. Oh, I'm glad I'm getting some of these higher tier questions. You've cleared out PC, you've cleared out PlayStation. You've got one more in what's in the Xbox. Is that the... Yes. You're going for top tier Xbox now? Yeah, let's do that and then okay. we'll do Nintendo. Here we go. When it was confirmed Don Matrick would leave Xbox in 2013, <laughs> uh-huh. which company did he move to? Uh, Zynga. He became CEO is, of Zynga. Is that your final answer? Yep. That is correct. Yep. Social game. This, I think when it singer. when it comes to um, <laughs> the order of these questions, I feel like they are very mismatched for my particular knowledge. <laughs> True, but I will I will take that five points very easily. Thank you. But in a more general setting, I think they've broadly been okayish. Yeah, I don't know. That's so Spider-Man maybe, maybe one not for you. Is, the Spider-Man no, one was a bit harsh. No. Okay. Anything to do with geography, Bali? That's where you put that number oh, five. That's it's not the end yeah. of geography yet, right? Oh, for fuck's sake! Why are you ready to move to Nintendo? Yes. The end zone for two points. If Super Smash Brothers Melee is the best-selling game on the GameCube, then what was yeah. the second? Ooh, that's a good question. Oh. Hmm. Man, that is... Ooh. I know Double Dash wasn't, like, huge comparative to what Mario Kart became, but it could be up there. I'm thinking about launch titles. I'm thinking about... What was big? Sunshine is a big one, but was it the best, second best selling? Wind Waker probably didn't chart that high comparative because of the furor around it. Um, it's not going to be some random thing like Animal Crossing because Animal Crossing didn't really hit big until Wild World. And I'm trying to think what else was a big name you know things like luigi's mansion wouldn't have done super well i think sunshine is probably the best bet after that 
and I can't think of anything else. I feel like Sunshine would would have sold better than Double Dash. So I'm going to say Super Mario Sunshine is the second best selling game on GameCube, but I'm not very confident in that. That's a that's a tricky question. Is that your final answer? Yes. That is incorrect. It is actually, as you hinted, Mario mm. Kart Double Dash. Um, around 7 million units. Oh, I should have gone with the smart money with Mario Kart. God damn it. Yeah. And yeah, Super Smash Brothers Melee was 7 million and like a half, like a bit more than 7 million. But yeah. Shall we move on to number three? The end zone. Yes. Yeah, let's do it. For three points. In 2011, Dan Riker broke two Guinness World Records. The first uh-huh. was longest fighting game marathon playing Brawl, Super Smash Bros. Brawl, for 30 hours. What was the other record? Uh, playing Mario games, just Super Mario games for, I think, 30 hours, maybe? It was 30 or 50 or something, but it was he did that on his own as opposed to the group one, which he did with people from Game Informer, but he did play all super mario games for that period of time so the rec the official the name of the record in your view is i don't know the exact name but i know he played super mario games like game from the main mario series yeah you're, you're close enough correct it's, yeah. it's the longest time playing super mario franchise 50 hours and i think most of it was spent yeah. playing like mario party or something so yeah 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 three points one i think he still holds to this day the smash brothers one has been broken since then oh really yeah yes um great three points okay are you right, ready go. for number four of the end yeah, zone let's do it. for yeah. four points going back to pokemon diamond and pearl this is a strong point mbz diamond and pearl we got this the Sinnoh region from pokemon diamond and pearl is based off of which real life island god why what is it with you in geography it's like you want to get my achilles heel <laughs> this is this is i I dispute this entire quiz. Uh, I'm just saying, all right? You know? Uh, I'm going to say Sinnoh, they were still doing Japanese regions because they'd moved away from Japanese regions post-Sinnoh, I think, right? Because, like, Kanto Johto are, like, you know, based on Japanese regions. Obviously, Unova is based on America. And then um, Kalos, I think, is based off of France. And then... The one in Sun and Moon is like Hawaii or whatever. So Sinnoh, I think, is... Is it Hokkaido? That's like... an Is that an island? I think that's an island. I don't know. I feel like Hokkaido is my answer for Sinnoh. Is that your final answer? Yes. That is correct. Yeah, because it's like snowy there, isn't it? Yeah. So, so that like, Sinnoh is very snowy region. Hokkaido is the snowy northern island of Japan where they had the earthquakes recently and things yes Um, yeah absolutely yeah and it's also there's an area similar like to it in um in okami and a number of other video games and things is there okay nice very good which is very cool cool. okay last question that is four points so you're now up to 31 points okay it's 50 (laughs) percent i guess oh boy okay Five points in the end zone. Yep. Mm-hmm. Nintendo European Research and Development is based in Paris, France. Mm-hmm. According to their own website, what was the most recent project they worked on? Uh, NERD. Nerd. Do a lot of emulation stuff, yeah. 
they, I believe, recently worked on the Super Nintendo Classic, but I would say because the most recent emulation stuff that has been done has been in NES Online for the Switch, I don't know. And has that been updated on their website yet because of the current timing? Uh, I would say it's probably Switch NES Online. So I would say it's it's going to be that. That's my guess right now. That's what I'm going to say because that is the most recent emulation-based thing that has been done and that's what their focus is. Otherwise, it would be super nintendo classic i believe but i'm gonna say nes switch online that is incorrect um according to their website oh. and as you say this might not have been updated in a very long time um no it was wii games ported to the wii u in 2015 well that's wrong because they've done stuff since then so that i well sure it says that on their website but that, i think that's a bit of a bullshit question because that's not actually the most recent <laughs> fair, thing that fair they enough. worked on fair enough that may have been an unfair question so. i was just going off of their own website and went by that so basically the the question was how recently has this company updated their website <laughs> is the actual question well even so even so, it, it's it's kind of bizarre anyway, that that's they have that a whole it's, it's a nice and... cherry to top off this sham of a quiz that was a geography <laughs> quiz in disguise so you got uh, the geography I'll... questions you got hokkaido i got one of them so you know oh god there you go all right are, are you you're 100 percent sure though that they worked on snes classic and stuff? i mean i'm not 100 percent sure but i know that a lot of the work they've done has in recent times has been emulation for nintendo uh so so yeah uh, it's but, so weird that anyway they, like that's all they really do is that stuff it's very weird that they have that in, in paris and france and all these other huge projects elsewhere in the world anyway yeah i mean it, it's it's one of those things that you know they they do lots of different stuff um but yeah it uh it well so it it looks like super nintendo classic was the most recent thing they did uh so i guess i probably would have gotten it wrong anyway but they may have had some assistance on nes uh online for nintendo switch but yeah anyway that's that's that so there you go that is what you got 31 points was. cool yeah that's a lot less than i thought i was gonna get so <laughs> i feel like i need to up my game next time or at least uh you know have someone i know you had huge issues quiz <laughs> so that I, can... I know you had huge issues with a couple of the questions but more generally were the questions in the right ballpark uh i think so generally uh yeah i don't know it's it's difficult because with your knowledge of other companies you have to i think go to some things on the internet and find answers uh, and sometimes that can be a bit too deep of a cut and sometimes it's <laughs> not as deep of a cut as you think it is so yeah. it's like this the the zinger question with don matrick is yeah one that, for like, five i would i would much. put that as a, a one question for myself you yeah, know? yeah but you know it's it's difficult to gauge as i said i think the hardest part of doing this is like where the difficulty goes because each person has their different threshold i was so. kind of chuffed with the halo stuff that was really pleasing because yeah just, and that's also me really... being an idiot i and, dug deep and, on a and, real blank in your exactly yeah on that. great cool oh. all 
All right, well, uh, that's going to wrap us up. Let us know how you did at home. Uh, if you're a geography um, major, then congrats. You probably got all those questions correct because that's, that's what that was. And, <laughs> and yeah, I, well, next time we'll flip it back again uh, and I'll do it to you again, Bali, and that'll be fun. And also we need to get back to doing some jukebox at some point. But uh, yeah, that's the quiz for today. Uh, let's talk about things that we're doing and things, how you can contact us and all that stuff. First thing we want to do is say thank you to our patrons who support our show very kindly. Uh, who are our top patrons to thank, Bally? Thank you to our two top tier patrons. They are, of course, the $10 tier patrons. They are my girlfriend, Caroline, and of course, Atari Alex. Thank you so much for your top tier support. And thank you to the rest of our patrons for all the support. And the kind donations that you give us, um, go over, go, go on over to patreon.com forward slash this Nintendo life and you can download exclusive podcasts over there. We would greatly appreciate it if you came on, came on board. Lots to, lots to see. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And thank you to all our patrons as well. And you can also find us in various places on the internet. Uh, we are on Twitter at TNL Podcast. That is where you want to go if you want to get updates on the show, what we're doing, backlog clubs, things like that. And uh, and yeah, just follow us there. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at LordNBZ. Where can they find you, Bally? Find me on Twitter at Ballyman91. That's B-A-L-L-Y-M-A-N-9-1. Absolutely. Uh, we're also always looking for emails. You can send those emails into us so that we have things to read out and talk about and discuss. It's always a great part of the show. Uh, Bali, where can they send those emails to? Please send your emails to thisnintendolife at gmail.com. That is thisnintendolife at gmail.com. If you see something happening in the news, you want our take or a question or you just got a comment or a criticism to, you know, chuck our way. We want to we wanna hear it. We want to find out more. We want to respond. And yeah, we'll hopefully get a, another email segment going next week or in two weeks time absolutely so you can do that and send us all your thoughts uh, and concerns uh send us maybe some ideas for some backlog clubs we're probably uh, gonna get one going at some point in the future so uh, let's uh have some ideas rolling in that'll be fun and and yeah you can find us in various places we're on itunes we're on stitcher you can download us in various podcatching apps uh, all over the place just search this Nintendo Life and you can subscribe to us. Rate us on iTunes. Do that. That's a really good thing and really helps grow the show and let more people see it and, and make it more visible, which is fantastic. Uh, and review us. Write us a review on iTunes. That's a really great way to do things. And as Bali says, if you find anywhere else, you can review us, which I don't know where you would go to do that. But do that as well. That's good. That helps us out tremendously. Um, yeah. So I think that's pretty much it, Bali. Um, I need to get my revenge again now. This is This is... Uh, something I, that I, I can I tell you're very stinging a bit uh, from some of those by. questions. Um, so yeah, I, yeah, definitely. I'm anticipating the the retaliation. The retaliation will be swift and harsh, and justice <laughs> will be done. So, <laughs> so look out. Uh, uh, yeah, but uh, that's I better get studying. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's going to be us. Uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, we will be back in a couple of weeks' time with some more this Nintendo Life. Uh, we'll see you then. Goodbye, folks.
The musical interludes used on today's show were Ole Silvando from Dragon Quest XI, copyright Square Enix 2018, and Blockman Stage from Mega Man XI, copyright Capcom 2018. Jump in our Discord server. It's a great place to go. Drop a question. Uh, how do you get to our Discord server? That's what I'm trying to say. You get to our Discord server by going to discord.com. Uh, is it, uh, there's not a link, is there? You can't just do that. What am I saying? Maybe I should start <laughs> Let's just again. start. Let's start over. Let's, let's start <laughs> Jesus, over. what a mess. <laughs>